welcome to Footnotes and Witness. This is a special side episode on John 316. My name's Deborah J. McKenzie, and this is the podcast where we study the Bible to see Jesus rightly and find him in our own story. And by doing that, hopefully we're faithful to his glory and his character. So I wanted to tackle one of the most popular Christian verses of all time. People who don't even know who Jesus is know that there's something about John 3.16. If you live on the West Coast, or maybe you're in one of those special places that have gotten an in and out recently, it's a hamburger joint. But if you look at the bottom of the cups, it has John 3.16 printed on it. I'm sure there are a million bracelets with John 3.16 stamped on it. It's kind of the summarized gospel that Christians have been using for a really long time to share their faith with other people. It's probably the first verse that you've ever memorized. If you went to Sunday school, you definitely memorized it or sang a song with it or colored a coloring sheet that has John 3.16 with a rainbow in the background. Maybe you remember that. I know I do. So why is it so popular? What is important about it? And why do we need to know it? It's pretty popular. So why should we spend any more time on it? I think that the reason that we should is because it's so popular, especially if you did color that rainbow sheet when you were in VBS as a small child, you probably have forgotten the weight of what John 3.16 is. You probably have forgotten how important this statement is. It might even seem trite to you, like pandering, that all Christians know what John 3.16 is. But when's the last time you read John? Or even just chapter 3? It's jam-packed with theology in this one verse, which is why it is so popular and is stamped on a million bracelets. So let's read it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now I'm reading from the ESV version. Your version might have a couple of words that are different, but it's the same basic structure. God loves the world. He gave his Son. Whoever believes in the Son is not going to die, but have eternal life. So why was this such a monumental statement? Well, first of all, let's look at the context. So the book of John is a really special gospel in and of itself. I never really understood what all the hype was about until I had to do like a sermon on a passage in the book of John, and I had to do some research on it. And I realized that the book of John is special. I mean, they're all special, but the book of John is one giant statement about Jesus is the Son of God. That's the whole point. John wants you to believe. And so he tells the parables just like the other gospels does, but then he explains them. If you've ever had a hard time with the parables, read the book of John. And the book of John is less than two hours if you've had it read to you from an app or if you just read it by yourself. So if you can sit down and watch a movie about aliens that has absolutely no context for your life, you can definitely listen to the book of John. Now, I'm not dissing on alien movies. I think they're great. But I'm just saying this might be a better use of your time. What's the context? Jesus is having a chat, a conversation with a Pharisee. 
So a Pharisee was a religious scholar, someone who studied the text. They were special. They were set apart. That was their job. They studied the Bible all day long and then taught other people about it. Not everyone could read, and there weren't a lot of copies of the Torah or the Old Testament laying around. And so they had to be shared by temples. So the Pharisees would sit around and study them and then pass on their knowledge to other people. It was a position that came with a lot of responsibility and also a lot of wealth and a lot of prestige. They were the important people of the society. They were held up kind of like pastors or celebrity pastors, I dare say. So Nicodemus is having a chat with Jesus, and Jesus is trying to explain being born again in the spirit. And Nicodemus is saying, you can't be born again. Now, if you've been in church your whole life, this is a concept that we know, we've been taught, and we just kind of breeze past it. But it's important to look at the context of why John 3.16 is so important. Because before that, Jesus is already trying to explain something to Nicodemus that is unexplainable. We've had thousands of years to sit through the theology of this and talk about what it means. But Nicodemus asked, literally, how can you be born again? He's saying, how can that be physically possible? I can't go back into my mother's womb. How can you be born again? Now, we know that today as being a birth of the Spirit, that we need to be born again in the Holy Spirit to have eternal life. But man, that must have been such a confusing conversation. It was like Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you see the sun up there? You think it's yellow and gives off warmth? Well, I'm telling you it's actually black with gold stripes and it's really cold. Like what he's saying is, I'm trying to tell you something that you can't understand. He says, how do you know that there's wind? And Nicodemus says, well, I can feel it. I I know that it's there. I see it moving things. He's like, right, but point to it. Tell me how it works. And this was before the internet. Nicodemus couldn't tell you why the winds flowed the way that they did. Jesus is trying to explain something to Nicodemus that he cannot possibly understand. And he's saying, you're going to have to get to the point where you don't have control over the knowledge anymore. You have to have faith and just believe it. Nicodemus comes to Jesus earnestly. He wants to know But Jesus is telling him something that's incomprehensible. Now, the reason why it is so popular for us today is because it is a succinct explanation of the gospel. God loves the world. God sent his son to save the world. If you believe in the son, you will be saved. (laughs) It seems very simple. It's even easy to memorize. But it challenges the narrative of hell being the most important reason to follow Jesus. Basically, it says, it's not about whether you get to go to heaven or hell. It's that you get to believe in my son because God loves you. That's actually what's most important. Eternal life. Now, this is a pretty big barrier for a lot of people. I know when I was waiting tables, I hated working the Sunday afternoon shift. Christians are the worst tippers, and I cannot tell you how many times I was left a track. So if you don't know what tracks are, they're like little booklets that's supposed to tell people about the gospel. 
But the most popular track is this horrible little book with people pictured on the front in a cartoon drawing in the middle of flames. And it says, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Believe in Jesus. And what that gives is this false narrative that the only reason to believe in Jesus is so you won't go to hell. It's like saying you have to eat your vegetables so you can be healthy. You don't want to do it. Nobody likes it. But that's the reason you're supposed to. Well, that kind of faith is not going to sustain you. John 3.16 challenges that. It's about God's love, not about whether or not you go to hell. Another big barrier in this is the concept of the Trinity which is mysterious and weird, and nobody has really been able to theologically explain it because it doesn't fit in our concept. This challenges our knowledge of physics and reality, just like Jesus challenged Nicodemus's reality. It's saying something incomprehensible. There's one God, but he has a son who is equal to and part of God, And we know him through the Holy Spirit, who is also part of God, but separate and equal to, and yet there's only one God, not three gods. It's a tricky issue. And there have been tons of metaphors that help try to explain this to kids or even just new Christians. My favorite one is the apple. So there's the skin of the apple, the flesh of the apple, and the seed of the apple. They are all apple. They're all part of the apple. And you can't have an apple without one of those. There is no apple that grows without skin or apple that has just seed and skin and no flesh to it. They are all apple and they're all important, but they're all separate parts of the apple. Now, I think that's a pretty good analogy, but it still falls so short of what is actually happening because it's not something that we can explain. It's incomprehensible to our understanding of how the world works. And so we take it on faith. And that's represented here in John 3.16, the Father and the Son. And yet there's only one God. There's also the issue where it says God gave up his only son, Now, when I was probably in my teens and I never thought I was going to have kids, I couldn't relate to this issue. Like, why is it a big deal? Like, I know that there's loss when somebody loses a child, but what does that actually mean? And this is why it's important to understand kind of the basics of the Trinity, because it's not just that his son died. It's that part of who God was humbled himself to become human, and then encompassed all of sin for all time and sacrificed himself to pay for that sin. That would be so horrific. It would not just be the loss of a child, but the loss of who you are, of the thing that is detestable to your nature, to your very core. It's not really something that we can relate to because we can never give up that part. We can never experience that loss. And so the closest thing we can relate it to is the loss of a child. But you might have known someone who's lost a child and been able to recover. There's always some grief there. There's probably always something that's missing, but 
they went to work, they were able to manage. Now, some people can't. And usually divorces happen. (laughs) The loss of a child is not a small thing at all. But it is a human thing. And what John 3.16 is talking about is something far greater that we can't really possibly understand. So once again, we're confronted with something incomprehensible. But God is perfect in every way. And therefore, his part of him that became human was also perfect in every way. We have emotions because we are an image of God. He has those too. There's wrath and jealousy and anger and pain and suffering. And God experienced all those things when part of himself was humbled and then became everything that he is against, all of sin. And that thing had to die. But then there was also great joy in eternal life because Jesus is going to conquer death. He is put to death, but he does not stay there. He rises again, taking the keys of hell and death with him. He conquers it. So John 3.16 is this amazing little scripture. But I encourage you, don't just memorize it and say, yeah, Jesus loves me and move on. Spend some time in it. Read all of John 3. Really look at the context of what is being said, because we've kind of whittled it down to a bracelet. And if we really thought about it and really meditated on how big this is, I'm not sure that we would stick it on bracelets. Or maybe we would. Maybe that's a way that you can remind yourself. And that's a good thing. But for me, that makes it a trinket. And man, salvation is not a trinket. It is not something to be stuck in my pocket and given away at a Christmas exchange. It's huge. God loved the world. And so he did this thing that was painful and excruciating and a suffering of which we can never imagine. And he did it so we could be with him forever. He can comprehend what eternity is like. And yet he loves us enough to choose to be with us. And so he made a way for that to happen through his son. So John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's definitely a God worth worshiping. That's definitely a God worth believing in and giving my life to. He's worth it. And that is good news.